You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. Matthew chapter 7, as we continue in our series, Real Talk, and uh, the message today is it all comes down to this. It all comes down uh, to this. You know, everything in God's Word is valuable, all of it. We may not even fully understand how valuable it is. You might get into a Matthew chapter 1, and you see, you know, he begat, and he begat, and he begat, and he begat, and you're like, well, how is that valuable? Well, there is value to it, because it, it demonstrates the line of Christ all the way back, and you can short, take that all the way back to Noah, all the way back to Adam, studying through scriptures. If you don't believe that, I go to Dave and Ruth Naismith's house this afternoon, just drop by. They have a chart in one of their rooms. It just shows the whole picture, and so those words are, um, those lists are important, um, but honestly, if we were to really do a survey today and said you get caught up in the begats part of the Bible, uh, probably not where you go when you're looking for help in your life. And so it's all important. It's all valuable. But uh, there are some passages that you better not miss the truth. You better not miss what it's really saying. And this text that we are going to look at today is one of those texts. This is one of those you get this wrong on the exam and you get it all wrong texts. As for everybody in the room, there's no one that this text doesn't touch. And so we need to listen carefully to what is being said. And as Jesus comes to this part of the teaching, uh, remember he's, he's sitting down as he's teaching them. And um, he's going to now um, come to really the crescendo, the pinnacle of all of the teaching that, that is going to come for them. And so in this message today, he teaches them about two gates and two ways and two destinies. And then uh, we come to next week and he's going to talk about false prophets. And then he's going to talk about two kinds of disciples. And then at the last part, he's going to talk about two foundations. And so these are the next four, uh, four sections. And really there's some warning that goes on in there for us that we want to make sure we don't miss and we want to make sure that, that we see. And so you got your Bibles open. We want to see the first one today. Let's stand and together we want to honor God as we read his word. And I'm going to read verses 13 and 14, Matthew chapter 7. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Let's pray together. Lord, as we uh, come into your presence, we bow our heads before you, almighty God. The table has been set amazingly through the worship for us to now come and hear from your word. I pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to carefully listen to what Jesus was teaching his followers. Would you give us minds that we might be able to comprehend it, understand it, Lord? And uh, Father, if there's a sense we've come to church with a, I dare you to speak to me, Lord, today, kind of attitude, Lord, that that would be a taken from us and we would change our heart and change our mind to, Lord, teach me, show me from your word what I need to see and what I need to hear today. And then, Lord, would you give us lives that not only hear and understand, but passionately desire to live out of what we hear today for the fame of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in his his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, you know, the reality of life is that everyone is on some kind of a journey, uh, a journey in life, whether um, you see that in kind of a religious journey or a uh, 
or just the paths we find ourselves going through. We go through circumstances in life and um, we might have a path that takes us down a medical journey or an education journey or all kinds of different journeys and paths that we find ourselves on and uh, working our way. And, um, and although there are many different paths and many different journeys and, and sometimes people think their path or their journey is gonna help them find out where they really ultimately need to go, the, the reality when it comes right down to it, there aren't many different paths and there aren't many different um, ways in which we go. The, the reality of it, we're gonna see it in this text, there are two. There are two paths. And, and today, you have to make a decision. You don't get to come to church today, sorry, but you don't get to come to church today and not make a choice. Today, you'll make a choice. And you'll make a choice either by, uh, ultimately by coming to a place of this is what I need to do, or you'll default, but in defaulting, you will make a choice. And, uh, and so that's what you've been called to today. That's what we're here for. And we want to take a look at God's word and just see what Jesus was coming to as he's teaching them. We just saw last week as we saw about prayer and how we are to ask and seek and knock. And as a church, we're going to seek to do that tonight. And, and then we saw the uh, golden rule. Uh, but then we come to this. And now Jesus kind of turns and he's going to like rapid fire four things he's going to teach. And the first one today is so foundational. It all comes down to this. Here's the first thing. It all comes down to this. There are two gates. There are two gates. Uh, look at verse 13 and 14 again. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Uh, Jesus, in the style of his teaching here, is kind of setting up one against the other. Uh, do this or do that. And that wasn't uncommon. Uh, that was the way a lot of teaching was done back in that day. Uh, even in the Old Testament, we see that. A picture of uh, you choose. Um, you have to make a decision. You have to make a, a choice. And he says it all comes down uh, to this. And so when he talks about the gates, the first thing we want to understand is that these gates are not the pearly gates. He's not talking about the gates at the edge of heaven. And how, this is the gate that brings you into relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, that's the gates we're talking about. Either you choose him or you deny him. And that's what Christ is coming to. That's how serious this is. You choose the gate. And there are two. There's the narrow gate. And the narrow gate is Jesus Christ. Oh, well, how do I know that? Well, the rest of Jesus' teaching through his life, he pointed to this. He made sure that they would understand this. In John 10, 7 to 11, Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door, the gate of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The chief and the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is the narrow gate. And this gate we look at, this first one, is described as the narrow gate. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that's an exclusive way. 
There's only one way to get right with the Father. You don't get right with the Father by trying harder. You don't get right with the Father by doing good things. You don't get right with the Father by um, a different religion, a different path. There's only one way to get right with the Father, and that's through the work of Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's a narrow gate, and Jesus calls it a narrow gate. In Acts 4 and verse 12, it says, and there is salvation in no one else. There isn't another path. There isn't another way to God. For there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And so here's the good news in that verse in Acts 4.12. And there is salvation, it says. And there is salvation. And see, none of us deserve salvation. None of us deserve the opportunity to be right with God. None of us deserve to have that relationship restored. But, but in, in the writing in the book of Acts, I love that it says, and, and there is salvation. But then it goes on to say, and there is salvation in no one else. There isn't another path. There isn't another way to God. And that's why Jesus describes this gate as the, as the narrow, the narrow gate given among men by which we must be saved. And so Jesus Christ is the narrow gate. Well, the narrow gate is compared to the wide gate. I'll look again what it says. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And so if you want to imagine this in your mind, you have this narrow gate, a much smaller gate. There's no, no big signs on it. There's no big lights all over it. And, and then you have this other gate and it's a wide gate. It's like you're going to the fair and it's all lit up and it says, welcome and come on in here and, and it's, the, the marquee is all bright and, and it draws you to it and, and that's the other gate. It's called the wide gate. It's the wide gate. It's the work of self. It's the uh, effort that I do. It's the picture of universalism. We'll all be fine. We don't have to worry about it. It's the, it's the picture of pluralism. It, just, it doesn't matter which road you go down. We're all going to end up in the same place. There's the narrow gate that is Jesus Christ, and then there's the wide gate that's so enticing. You don't have to deal with anything. You don't have to give anything up. Materialism abounds through the wide gate. A prejudice is accepted. Hatred is all right. An unforgiving spirit. It doesn't, none of those things are required. There's two gates. There's a narrow gate, Jesus Christ. And then there's a wide gate. And this wide gate is so enticing for us. Because it has no restrictions. No concerns about belief. No concerns about behavior. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. And people are drawn to it in hordes. Because it gives them what they want right now. It's why as believers, you even struggle with sin. Because why? Because, because it gives you what you want right now. It doesn't give you the right thing, but it gives you what you want right now. Although the wide gate is a whole picture of that in our entire life. And Jesus says there are, there are two gates. It's also the path of least resistance, as we'll see in a minute. But there are two gates. One gate is Jesus Christ, and one gate is self and the world and its systems and all the pleasures that come with it, but um, the two gates lead to two ways. When you open a gate, you end up on a path. And so the gates bring us to that place of relationship. The gate of Jesus Christ brings us to the gate of relationship with him. But when you open that gate, when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, it puts you on a path. 
And you open the, you open the gate, the wide gate, it puts you on a path as well. And so that's the next thing we want to see. We end up on a path. So it all comes down to this. There are two gates, and you have to choose which gate you're going to go through. But then there are two paths, or there are two ways, as our notes would say. This idea of two ways, as I said, it comes from Jewish thinking. And uh, Joshua 24, 14 and 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers serve, that your gods serve beyond the river and, and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day who you will serve, whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in lands you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so that's what's going on here. Jesus is giving this picture of there's, there's this or there's that. There's this gate or that gate. You open this gate, you end up on this path. You open this gate, you end up on this path. And today you have to choose that's what Christ is telling his followers, and that's what God's word is telling us. There's things we know about the way, and we're going to see in a minute that the narrow way, look at what the text says, enter by the narrow gate, and then in verse 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard. Now, you're an intelligent group. People in the room study their Bible, and, and so maybe your mind's going, to, well, wait a minute, Pastor. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you forget about the verse in Matthew 11:30 where it says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light? Pastor, what about that verse? What about that verse? You just said that like the way is going to be hard, but, but, but Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is why you always have to go back and study Scripture in context. You just have to go back and what is Jesus teaching when he makes those statements? And you can go home and check this out this afternoon, but this is not a verse about the path. My yoke is easy and my burden is light is about the reality of the gate. It's the reality of that gate is possible. The way is possible for us because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. The burden of sin, the weight of our own sin and our own sinfulness and trying to get to God. And it's a burden and it's a burden and it's a burden and I can't do anything about it. And Jesus Christ took the load. Jesus Christ took the weight. And so because of Jesus Christ, the gate is easy for us and it's light because he did it all for us. I didn't have to do it. Christ did it. And I choose that gate. And then the gate opens and then there's a path. And there's a path in front of me. And it says the path is narrow or is hard. It's like, well, can't we have Jesus and have an easy path? Uh, no, you can't. That's not an option for believers. When you go through the gate of Jesus Christ, the gate is narrow, and the path is narrow, and the path is hard. That word that describes it, it's, it's restrictive, it's limiting, it's, it's difficult. Now, see, we live in North America where we've had it so easy, and we've, we almost end up with our feet and trying to have our feet in both worlds where we want Jesus and all that comes with it, but we want all the ease and all the blessing and all the simple, and it, it's not possible. They don't go together. There's one thing I know for sure. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your life is going to be filled with trial. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. Now, don't, don't let me lose you here. There's, there's great stuff coming down at the end of this message. But as a follower of Christ, we're not called to easy things. We're called to difficult things. The beginning of the life of a disciple and the process of the life of a disciple are restrictive. There's no doubt about it. 
And both of them will involve some kind of suffering or persecution or struggle. That's what the life of a believer is. Now, somebody asked me last night, well, why, why can't the Christian life be easy? Well, the answer is because of sin. That's why it's not easy. And we're going to see how that plays itself out for us. And See, we're not, we're not committed to a cause when we're committed to Jesus Christ. We're committed to the person. We're committed to Christ. If you're committed to a cause, things go wrong. You just walk away from the cause. That's never happening for the follower of Christ because of the gate and what he's done and what he's offered to us. And, and so we're told that it's not going to be easy. As a matter of fact, we're told that it's going to be hard. Let me give you uh, three reasons why it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to be on the path after the narrow gate because it's counter the culture. We're counterculture. Everything the world wants virtually is in opposition to what God wants for us. And so the culture is always going to be pushing against you. Always going to be pushing against you. I mean, you just take a look. In, you see it in the States and the news all of the time and the push against Christianity. And we see it less here in Canada because it's just not as blatant probably. But there's this sense of this is what believers are and the world is turning and it's turning and it's turning on us and, because we're against the culture. The believers have always been against the culture. If you read Corinthians and see what that city looked like and the sin that was involved there, believers were called to be something different. And so this way that we are on, this pathway that we are on, it's narrow, it's hard, it goes against the culture. It goes against your own intuition. Your own intuition says gather and keep in barns and get everything you can and have it all now, have it all now, have it all now. now. That's what your intuition teaches you. And the way of Christ, the narrow way, the hard way says give it away. Don't hold on to it. Don't store up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up for yourself treasure in heaven. It's counterculture, it's counterintuition, and then here's one that we all really struggle with, I think. It's counter to what is popular, which is a little different than the culture, but it's just, it's just what everybody's doing, and I want that. And, uh, and so the way is hard. It's hard, and for the believer, this is all about our sanctification and growing up in Christ to be more like him. See, as a follower of Christ, when you go through the narrow gate, there are certain enemies who are coming after you. They just are. Every believer faces these enemies. Uh, three of them, real quick. Uh, the, Satan himself. Satan and his minions are out to uh, tear down and destroy what God is doing in your life, and, and they're after you. They seek to devour uh, what God is doing. And so as a follower of Christ, we need to be ready for the, the attacks of the evil one. Yes, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. That's the promise of God's word. That's our hope. But don't ever be so naive to think as a follower of Christ, you get a free pass to easy street to heaven. It's going to be difficult on this earth. And Satan wants to destroy what God is doing in you. Now, here's another thing. Another enemy we face is just the people who are around us. This goes back to the counterculture and counter what is popular. Um, people who think you're strange. They may ridicule you or ostracize you because of your faith in Jesus Christ. And when you're on this narrow path, not only does Satan attack you, but if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there are people who used to be your friend who don't talk to you anymore. There are people that you used to hang out who don't want to hang out with you anymore. There's a cost to be paid. That's what the narrow way is. 
And that's what we're called to. And so we have the attack of, of Satan. We have the attack of those people who are around us. I, I said in the last service, like, you're getting taken off of people's Christmas card list, which is kind of a funny picture that as a believer you're taken off of people's Christmas card list. But the, the reality is because you're a follower of Jesus Christ, people distance themselves from you. And then there's the, um, then there's just the attack of your own lust and flesh and habits that you have and and um, we don't need to blame Satan for everything that happens to us. We don't need to blame people for everything that happens to us. Some of the things that happen to us are because of our own desire. And when we take our eyes off the Lord, and um, that attack comes as well. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. But you need to understand on the narrow way, on the hard way, we're going to face attack. It will be difficult but we will not be defeated. It will be difficult, but we will not be defeated. Why? Because God is on our side. If God is for us, who can be against us? Um, some principles, God is, we're not gonna be uh, tempted beyond that which, ready? With God's help, right? That we can't endure. We, God is never bringing something to us that with his help, we can't endure. That's the promise from God. People take that verse and twist it all up into, oh, nothing's ever going to come that I can't handle. That's not what the Bible says. Stuff happens in my life every day that I can't handle. Stuff happens in your life every day that you can't handle. And that's why you fall in sin. That's why we choose it. That's why we get angry with our spouse. That's why we, but don't blame God for that. You just left him out in the decisions. Because God, God has promised, I'll never allow anything to come to you that with my help, we can't go through together. And so we are more than conquerors with God's help. But so often, we don't cry out to God for his help. And then we find ourselves in a difficult place. But that's not because God let us down. God will always make a way to escape that we'll be able to endure. And then another thing in this is um, God promises to give us strength to stand strong. A strength through his spirit. In Ephesians 3.16, it says, his spirit to empower the inner man. Uh, to go down this narrow road that is hard and can be difficult, God promises through his spirit to give us strength. And then in Ephesians 6.10, it talks about putting on the armor of God to protect us for the good fight that we are in. God has promised those things for those who are followers of Jesus Christ. We are on a narrow way. It is a hard way. Well, why would you want to go on that? Why would anybody sign up for that? Here's two reasons. Reason number one you want to sign up for that is because who asks you to go on the way? Right? Somebody could come and ask me to do something with them this afternoon. It's going to be hard, and I don't know if they've ever done it before, if they're really going to stick with it till the end, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. Somebody else could come along and ask me to help them with something this afternoon. They've been through the journey. They've struggled through that before, and I go, yeah, I'll go with you on that. Right? And so the one who asks us to come on the way is Jesus Christ. And so why would we go, why would we choose to go through the narrow gate on the hard way? Because of the one who made it possible for us, because of Jesus Christ. And then here's the other reason, because of what comes at the end of the path. We're going to go down a hard path, it's going to be difficult, but at the end of the path, there's going to be something great. We're going to come to that at the end of the message, but that's the reality. We are called, as followers of Jesus Christ, who go through the narrow gate to go on a hard way. We're never promised it'll be easy. As a matter of fact, we know that it'll be difficult, but it's set up in comparison to the easy way. 
to the easy way. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. The easy way looks so good. It looks so enticing. It looks like it's going to be so much fun. And on this earth, it might very well be. But the ends thereof are the ways of death. And just as in the first verse, where the word had the idea of restrictive and limiting and difficult, uh, this word that's about easy has the idea of an idea of an invitation. Uh, There's plenty of space. It's comfortable. It's carefree. It allows any behavior one desires. No need to reform or change your lifestyle. Uh, People love this path because they want to be free. They want to make their decision. They want open-mindedness. They want tolerance and all kinds of things. And and so it's the path that leads you to every man does that which is right in his own eyes. I choose not to go through the narrow gate. So I choose to go through the wide gate. And the wide gate leads me to a path. And that path says, eat, drink, and be merry. Do whatever you want. No consequences. No consequences. The Bible says there are a lot of people who find it. And Jesus is really teaching us to count the cost. I choose the gate because the gate puts you on a path. I love the statement that James McDonald says. It goes something like this. If the gospel has not changed you, then it has not saved you. If the gospel has not changed you, then it has not saved you. You can't go through the narrow gate and get on the easy path. You go through the narrow gate and you get on the hard path and it's a difficult path. If, if, if the gospel hasn't changed you, probably hasn't saved you. I, I tend to look at it this way. As you think about the path you're on, as you're hearing your pastor like go at you this week on all of this stuff about the, the narrow way and the easy path and the hard path and the... Ask yourself this question. If you were arrested today for being a follower of Jesus Christ, based on how you lived this past week, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If you were arrested today for being a follower of Jesus Christ and they took you into court and they brought the evidence, would there be enough evidence to convict you? See, the narrow gate leads to a narrow way and it'll be hard. It's not going to be easy. But God is going to go with us and he's never going to leave us and he's never going to, he's never going to leave us. He's, he's, he's not departing from us. He's not going to forsake his children. But maybe you're on the broad way. And maybe you're like, well, pastor, I, I remember I prayed a prayer when I was like 12 years old and, but you've been living like the devil ever since. The path you are on demonstrates the gate you went through. You understand that? The path you are on demonstrates the gate you, are go- you, are, you went through. Does that mean that Christians don't ever sin? We don't ever struggle? No, it doesn't mean any of those things. But what's the path you're on? What does, what's the trajectory of your life? What's the way you are going? How is your life being lived out? And if your life is being lived out on the easy path, it's because you're going through the easy gate. And you need to go back and think about the claims of Christ and what he's done. But you say, oh, no, 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 but, but I trusted Jesus. And 
The path you are on demonstrates the gate that you went through. But it doesn't mean that as believers, we're perfect. But it means when you hear a message like this, you're convicted of sin. You're drawn to the Lord. You want to be right with him. Why? Because the path is not easy and you understand it and you want to get that right and you want to be right with the Lord. There are two gates, narrow and wide. There are two ways, narrow or hard and easy. It all comes down to this. Here's the last part. There are two destinies. There are two destinies. I love the way it's laid out in the text for us. It's so clear. Jesus is entered by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. And then he says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are, are few. Why do two gates and why do two ways matter? It matters because there are consequences. There are consequences to the gate you go through. There are consequences to the path that you are on. And so Jesus lays out for them what those consequences are. And the consequence, the first one we see, is about destruction. It's about destruction. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. Back to Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to man. But the end is the way of death. The end is the way of destruction. Uh, Paul wrote about the everlasting destruction in 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 to 9, when it said, uh, to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us, uh, when the Lord is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. You know, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the cults, they just believe that if you die and you're not in their thing, you just, you just die. There's no eternal destruction. There is no hell. And Paul says here, there's a, there's a payment that's gonna come. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. This destruction is called hell and it's for those who do not know God. It's for those who disobey the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you're like, well, I'm not on that path. Yeah, but do you care about anybody else? Do you care about others who are on the easy path? Uh, your family members, your son or your daughter or your nephew or your brother or your neighbor or your, and they've chosen the wide gate and they've chosen the easy path. And sometimes you even look at them and they go, man, their life is so simple. They've got it made in the shade. And yet the path they're on leads to destruction. It leads to hell. It leads to an eternity separated from God. Revelation 20, 15 says, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation 21, 8 says, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murders, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. There are sobering words in verse 13 when it says, those who enter it are many. It is the broad way. It is the easy way. 
It's what most people choose. But we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility of the gospel of Jesus Christ to at least let them know and make the message clear. I stand up here every week and I proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because I'm gonna stand before God one day and give an account for what I did when I opened the word of God and stood before you people. And so when we come to a text like this, it, you know, it, if we just wanna make it easy for people to come to church, you just kind of gloss over stuff like this. But it's what God says. It's what his word says. And he says there are two paths, and one of those paths leads to destruction. It's eternal destruction. It's described as the fire. It's described as the outer darkness. It's, it's terrifying, and it's going to be forever. And one of the worst things about hell is you will find yourself there, and you can't change your circumstance, and it will be like that forever. And therefore, today is the day of salvation. This is the day to choose the narrow gate who is Jesus Christ and to get on the path that leads to, we're going to see in a minute, that leads to life but doesn't lead you to a way of destruction with all the, I know, it goes through your mind, your mind says, oh, but I like what I got right now. I like what I got right now. I like what I got right now. If you've never trusted Christ, I don't know how more lovingly I can say this, if you've never trusted Christ, the end is hell. That's it. That's it. And you have to choose. And you have to choose. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10, it says, uh, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. And so there's two destinies. The first destiny is destruction and hell. The second destiny is life. It's found in verse 14. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And Jesus is talking about heaven. Um, 1 John 5, 13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know, not wonder or think or doubt, that you may know that you have eternal life. That's the gift that the narrow gate and the hard way offers to us is eternal life. That's what's coming. That's what's coming. Everyone will not be saved. You hear teaching. I've been to too many funerals where the priest or the minister, by the time it's done, everybody's going to heaven. So what the Bible says, it's not what this text says. Few there be that find it is what this text says. There is no universalism. There is no a sense that, oh, it's all going to be all right because in the end, it's all going to work out fine. It's not going to work out fine for those who are not followers of Jesus Christ. But if you are, there's life. There's eternal life, and it's in heaven. But it won't be for everyone. The Calvinists and the Armenians can fight back and forth about the who and the why and the how and, and until we get to heaven. But as a matter of fact, the Bible says it will be few. I don't know the answer to who. I don't know the answer to the who. I can see fruit. We're going to see that in a text next week as we talk about false prophets. I can see fruit. I know in my own life, I can know for certain that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm going to heaven. 
but I, but I don't know. I don't know everybody in the room. I don't know who's put their faith and trust in Christ necessarily and, and who hasn't. And, and so what's my job? My job is to cast the net. My job is to put it out there for everyone. And then you decide what you're going to do with Jesus Christ. You decide what you're going to do with Jesus Christ. Well, doesn't God know? Of course God knows. God is God. But he brings us to the place where he says, believe and you will be saved. As many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And although God knows everything from the beginning to the end, we have a responsibility. We choose the gate. And today you have to choose the gate. Maybe you've already chosen. Maybe you've already determined the gate is Jesus Christ. I'm on that path. Then who are you talking to so that they could come to that same understanding and know about the gate that is Jesus Christ? Because that gate leads to eternal life. And the other gate, the wide gate, the easy gate, leads to an easy life, an easy path that leads to hell. Some people try to describe um, heaven and how we understand it. Um, One of the things that we know for sure is it says, although there will be few that find it, the Bible also says there will be a multitude that find it. Comparative to the number of people in the world, there will be few people who find this way. So don't be surprised. Well, why aren't more people Christians? There are few that will find it. But the Bible describes them also as a multitude. There are people sitting in churches across Markham right now who are getting fed by the word of God, who are part of the narrow gate and the narrow way, and and they're going to heaven just like we are. But comparatively, in our world, there are few that find it, but there are some. And Revelation 7, 9 to 10 says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so there's a great multitude You don't need to fear that you're in this alone. You're not in this alone. There are brothers and sisters in Christ in the room who stand with us and stand together for the sake of Jesus Christ. There are thousands of people around the world who stand for Jesus Christ. And there's a multitude that cannot be numbered. But compared to the number of people in the room, it is few. It is few. But we're going to heaven. We're going to eternal life. That has a picture of perpetual life. And it's more than just about that it's going to go on forever. It's about, it's about the quality of what it's going to be like. You know, you ever stop and think about what heaven's going to be like? See, we try and do it, and we try and compare it to things on earth. And, and it's, it's like, oh, that would be really cool. Well, that would be really nice. But it's interesting what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.9. He says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. You can dream about heaven. You can think about it all you want. You won't even get close to what God's prepared for us. Uh, here's the first thing. The master designer and the builder. Hey, do you guys watch HGTV? You watch all the like, fixer-upper shows and, you know, and people come and they, they give like, I got $35,000, fix my house. And, and after they, they open the walls up. And Am I the only people, person who watches that stuff? And at the end, they walk in the house and it's like, whoa, this is amazing. This is amazing. It's lame compared to what Jesus Christ is preparing for us. But we're so fixated on today. We're so fixated on this world. Um, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That's the guy I want building my house. He's preparing a place for me. 
It's for those who have trusted Christ. It's for those who are on the narrow road. There's a place that's being prepared for you that's being designed by the master builder, Jesus Christ. When we get to heaven, we'll be in a place where the glory of God is. It was so cool to sing holy, holy, holy in all of our services this weekend. And hear you singing that song. If you weren't moved by that song, you need to get in the first six rows. Because then you get the full effect of what's coming all the way up the room. Um, I'm sorry, but for you people in the back, I love you and I'm glad you're here. But if you want the blessing of hearing God's people sing, you need to get in the front row. And you'll be overwhelmed. But I've got to tell you, as amazing as it was, it's nothing compared to what heaven's going to be like. We'll experience the glory of Almighty God and the presence of Almighty God. That's what's coming for those who believe. The Bible says we will see him face to face. And one of the greatest things about heaven is we're going to be with Jesus. There's a couple more things when we think about this earth. When you get to heaven, there are some no mores. When you get to heaven, there's no more tears. When you get to heaven, there's no more pain. When you get to heaven, there's no more sorrow. There's no more sense of separation. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Those who go through the narrow gate and are on the narrow road come to eternal life in Jesus Christ. So today, which gate have you chosen? Have you chosen the gate, which is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, suffered for you so you could have eternal life? You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. God did it for you. And it's an amazing gift, but it's a narrow gate. It's not a gate for everyone. It's not everyone wants it. And it's, 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 it's this way or it's no way. But Jesus says, believe on the Lord. He says, the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. It's by grace you're saved through faith. It's a gift from God. Believe today and be saved. If you've never trusted Christ, you can do that today. You come to that place of understanding I'm on the wrong path. It's taking me the wrong place. And today I'm putting my trust in Jesus Christ alone for my for my salvation. I understand I'm a sinner. I'm separated from God. I can't fix this problem. Jesus Christ came. He suffered. He died. He fixed the problem I couldn't, I couldn't fix. I put my trust in him and I'm turning and I'm walking in a new way for the glory of God so that I will have eternal life. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't work for that salvation. It's the gate that brings us to eternal life. Today, if you've never trusted Christ, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You will. You will. Well, so what? It all comes down to this. In all of the things there are in the Bible and all the things, it all comes down to this. There are two gates. There's the narrow gate and there's the wide gate. Which have you chosen? There are two ways. There's the narrow and hard, and there's the easy way. How are you living? Because how you are living demonstrates the gate that you have chosen. And there are two destinies. The destiny of destruction or the destiny of life. Where are you going? Where are you going? You can have it now and lose it in destruction for eternity. 
or you can trust Christ now with his help to go through this life and have it all in eternity of all that's being poured out for us in Jesus Christ our Lord. Stealing from those verses in Joshua, choose this day who you will serve. Well, how can we do this? We can't do this on our own strength. We can't walk this walk on our own strength. In Philippians, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. Christ is the great, the gate, and Christ is the strength for the walk, and at the end of the walk is eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the challenge of it. It stirs our heart as we think about all that you've accomplished, and, and Jesus lays it out for us. We, we, we don't want to deny the word. We see it. It's there. It's clear. There are two gates. There are two ways. There are two destinies. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room, no, no one can walk out the door today because you can make a decision by making a decision, or you'll make your decision by doing nothing. But Father, Christ offers to us eternal life. And for the follower of Jesus Christ who's in the room, and my life is hard, my life is hard. Our life is hard, but it's going to lead to eternal life. And we find our joy in what Christ has done, just as Paul did as he went through all the struggles he faced, and yet filled with joy as he lived for you. God, would that be our heart? Would that be our passion? As we enter through the narrow gate, as we walk on the narrow way, the hard way, but we look forward to all that is coming for us as followers of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.